in this episode. Did I really get Shell, Schlumberger, Google, IHS, and EPAM all on the microphone with me at the same time during a global pandemic? Then the business case for OSDU and make an engineer smile. gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guests, please, 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 you want to support this show and our 11 other oil and gas podcasts, just leave a review. It's the number one way to help your peers find the shows that are relevant and informing and useful. And if you don't like the show, go ahead and let me know that in the review as well. And then big shout out to Nutanix. They're the sponsor of the show. They keep the lights running. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at scale on-prem or in the cloud, these are the folks you want to talk to. All right. For the first time ever on the oil and gas tech podcast, we have a panel. And so it's the first time we've ever done this. It's a really interesting conversation with some really heavy hitters in the industry. And we're actually going to be talking about the open subsurface data universe, which is an incredible initiative, but I don't want to get into it yet. I want to introduce our panelists. So with Shell, we have Johan Krebers. How are you doing today, Johan? I'm fine. Thank you. And with Schlumberger, we have Steph Stephen Whitley. Hey, Stephen. How you doing? At Google, we have Eli Smith. How are you doing today, Eli? Doing great. Thanks for having us on. I know this is awesome. And with IHS Market Kit, we have David Hicks. Hey, David. Hey, how are you? Great. And with Epon, we have Heidi Lynn. How are you doing today, Heidi? Very well, thank you. All right. So we can't see each other. And so, like I said, this is the first time we've tried this. But here's what's really cool. Can somebody jump in real quick and just tell me, what is OSDU and how is it changing the future of our industry? Well, OSDU is quite interesting. As you said before, it really stands for Open Subservice Data Universe. We started with OG about a year and a half ago, and our, our overall objective of OG is a number of points, but some key points over here. The first key point is bringing all your exploration, development, and wealth data into a single data platform. So bring all the data into a single data platform. Once you have it in a single data platform, you can have much broader workflows out there. You also enable things like artificial intelligence on top of your data. And on top of that single data platform, we have one set of APIs, application program interfaces. Why is that important? Well, then on top of that, you can have the various applications out there. People can develop, small companies, large companies, universities, you name them, can start developing those applications out there. So OSDU focused at the data platform and API, but that's where we work together with all the companies because we do not compete in how we store the data, what our APIs are. We do compete what data we have, and we do compete what applications we have. So the focus of OSDU, bring all that data together into a single data platform where we store the data in exactly the same way with the same definitions. It also means the first time in this industry that we all speak the same language. So if I meet up uh, somebody from ExxonMobil or Chevron later, and we're both using OSDU, if we speak the same language, we talk about wells. Today we don't. We all have our own language out there and how we, how we have to work together. So single data platform on top of that, an OSDU layer, uh, sorry, an, an API layer for applications get access. But Johan, are you telling me that with by doing this, we're going to get rid of all the separate data silos we've had as an industry forever? Yes, yes. And I'm a very wow. old guy, maybe even older than you are. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, everybody remembers because 
it's very funny uh, also this yeah, because we've given many many introductions onboarding calls to lots of operators out there and they have a set of slides and the first slide is really talk about this, this uh, so that the application data is linked yeah, really fixed together there we have silos out there there your workers are very poor and every operator you speak to has that same experience they all are in the same boat today so they all have the same problem today. That's incredible. So we started as an industry doing this sort of thing with HSE metrics in the past, and now we're actually starting doing it with the subsurface well data. This is incredible. Yes. Now, yes. now is this platform actually up and operating? Well, let Steven say something about it because he's, he's, he's even closer to the final I am. So Steven, want to say something about the state of the platform? Sure, I can do that. So first, I also wanted to make one other comment about the, what's a little bit different about OSTU. It's not just about the technology, which I'll get into in just a second, but it's actually about the, the community that's involved. I've never been involved in an open community in oil and gas that has this much energy and this much commitment by the people that are participating in it. And given that open source really only thrives through contribution and adoption, I think it's this energy that's also going to drive the changes as much as the technology. Now, to the technology itself, you know, OSD Forum has been around for about a year and a half, had an initial contribution from Shell. Summerjay made a contribution that we've been working on since 2015. And actually, that contribution was commercial right. in 2019, right? As such, there's a certain amount of maturity and investment already baked into the system. In fact, at the time of the contribution, we had over 200 person years invested in it. The movement to the OSD Forum is not starting with net new development. It's actually starting by taking the technology that's already been developed, that's been commercial, and moving it into the forum in an area or in a space that is open source, open to all community involvement. It's being ported to multiple platforms. So from going from a single platform implementation to four cloud platforms at the moment, five on the way. And of course, at the same time as we're coming in with a big contribution, we're getting contributions from other members of the OSU forum. So it's not a net new development. There's a lot of technology investment, a lot of operational experience embodied in the contribution itself, and it serves the basis for the community going forward. Stephen, though, I got to back you up a little bit. You are talking about changing the culture of our industry. You know, the collaboration part, it was not that long ago when nobody would talk to anybody that was a competitor about any of this sort of stuff, and now we're doing almost the exact opposite. So that culture part has to be a part of your process as, as far as change management. It, it definitely does. And, and actually, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an anecdote. With the We have multiple cloud providers in, inside, and to a certain degree, they're no different than oil and gas operators. They all differentiate in some way. And I know that when we brought in all the cloud providers at the very beginning of this open sourcing process and making a multi-platform, I was having four meetings a day. It was the same meeting four times a day <laughs> with the different cloud providers because they refused to be in the same room. And then somewhere along the line, we moved away from protecting our IP to solving a problem together. Right. And by the time, or just prior to COVID-19, we had a war room in Schlumberger that had at times up to 10 different companies working together. And outside that room, many of them were competitors, but inside that room, they were all working on one problem. How beautiful is that? I mean, just the fact you got them in a room together. And also you need to realize, because Steve, Steve is talking about the software provider, but we also have, we have about 160 members out there. If you look at OCR3, it's of course, is a code story, but Steve is talking about very important, but also we need, to, we need to develop procedures like data loading procedures, operation procedures, housekeeping procedures. All that work is also been done by the members. So we have close to 80 to 90 members out there, more than 100 people actively working on creating these procedures. 
So because all the work we do in audio is done by the members, nobody else. The members, the 160 members, are doing all the work. That, yeah, and I think that I think that you know, kind of both Johan and Steven raise great points, and I feel compelled as the lone cloud provider on the call to point out that I think that before we really embraced an open source first methodology, there was a tendency to hold the perspective that not necessarily would insights be inappropriately shared, but efforts might be duplicated that need not be. And so I think that one of the things that gets us really excited about with OSDU is it is a common platform. And so you kind of, you do once and you get the benefit of all parties putting that in without having to do things in silos. Yeah. If you would have told me this was something we worked on 10 years ago, I would have told you you're insane, but I just think it's incredible. So one of the things about our industry, if you're not in the industry, if you're especially if you're outside, you look at the oil and gas industry as being old fashioned and we're not, right? We're risk adverse. But a lot of people think that we're behind times and a lot of things, especially a lot of things digital. So you know, how do you see this? And, and especially, you know, we just talked about the culture and the, the willingness for people to participate. How do you see this going forward? Well, I'll jump in on that. I mean, one thing, you know, we've touched on, but put this in perspective. I mean, probably most of us on this call have been down a standards path in one form or another many times before, most of them reaching some level of success. But I think if we were being honest with each other, we would say not ever really realizing the full potential. And you know, what's really different now and what supports the OSDU concept is really the state of the industry. Again, if we're being, you know, really clear and honest in that, you know, the situation we find ourselves in post, you know, price volatility, really the energy transition with a, you know, 20 or 30 year time frame of, of looking at the energy and the upstream industry in a quite a different manner. I mean, the state of the industry is really what's brought a lot of people together so I do think that the cloud providers, uh, you know, they're, they're a new player in all this that's, that's adding energy, no pun intended, to the, to the whole process. But, you know, the idea that you've got content providers and you've got operators and, and you've got so many different people coming together here, there's a certain amount of energy, and this goes to your culture reference, that, you know, partnerships, we see a lot more of that these days as well. And I think... You know, it's taken many attempts, but OSDU feels like due to the situation we're in, it's a piece of this bigger digital transformation, transition that we're going through. But it's a core one in terms of having this same language to to speak from, as, as Johan mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, and, and David, I mean, bottom line is you're driving efficiencies. I mean, just bottom, bottom line. And our industry, when times are great, aren't always worried about efficiencies. And then when times are bad, we get super focused on efficiencies, but we ping pong back and forth. And I think going through this whole double black swan event in 2020 and the, the COVID-19 and everything, I think a lot of the stuff that we're doing to drive efficiency in this industry is going to stick now. And I think the oil and gas industry coming out of this is going to be a different industry in a better way than, than going into this. Uh, just my kind of my two cents around that. I, yeah. I am curious. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. And I, I just say quickly, yeah. And the difference is, I think in, in downturns before, and we've seen obviously many of them in this space, I think there was a bit of a, you know, still a, a concept of there's just not enough oil and gas in the world and, and things will snap back. And the reason I bring up this energy transition is, you know, we need efficiencies badly, as, as we can see by looking at any of you know the status of where the oil and gas companies stand from a how their how their equities are viewed or, or profitability, but the difference now is 
we see this transition in time and it puts more pressure on really sticking with an effort like OSDU now. I, I agreed 100%. I just want to speak to a little a little bit about the culture. You know, we've been collaborative and innovative and technologically focused since the oil patch started. I mean, if you're drilling a deep water well 250 miles offshore in 7,000 feet of water, you're employing highly complex and technical systems to find and develop and produce that, that oil, as well as collaborating with a lot of companies to make that happen. So other operators, service providers, data providers. So I think sometimes we get a bad rap because there have been some limitations in industry, maybe because of remote locations or poor connectivity or highly combustible environments that limit sometimes use of computers or collaboration or access to data. But overall, like oil and gas is highly sophisticated and highly collaborative, and we're just ripe to harness that sort of energy and that culture going forward into this digital transformation. So previously, we've really seen it on the operations level that exists, and we're used to doing business that way and working together. And now as we're going through this digital transformation space and really leveraging and, and harnessing the power of the cloud, we're moving to the next level and the next phase of that that collaboration and technology. Yeah, that's it's just awesome stuff to hear. So I'm actually familiar with a couple of other groups out there that are trying to set some standards. So what's the difference between OSDU and say PPDM or Energistics? I mean, I think it was alluded to earlier. There's there's been a lot of standards initiatives in the industry, and you know, in fact, a lot of them get a, a fairly bad rap, right? You no, know, as in having failed or not met expectations. But frankly, they're all very important because if we didn't have those, we wouldn't have the degree of convergence that we have today. But there is there is a difference between OSDU, the OSDU Forum, and PPDM and Energistics, and that's the size of the community that's willing to build technology together. Right. And it's not just the community that happens to be in oil and gas space. It's the community of people that happen to be in all different industries. So we have people, obviously the cloud providers are there bringing not just the hosting platform for us to, to work with, but also bringing the innovation that they bring to bear. We have a an open source model that balances an open standard model. So on the one side, you have standards, which by definition should be evolving slowly and very deliberately. And then on the other side, you have the open source, which is, okay, we can be agile and nimble and experiment in some things like that. And I think that those two things play off each other much better than what we've seen in the past. Perhaps in other industries, it's, it's worked out, but we've never seen that in oil and gas before. So I think it's the diversity of the community, the trade-off between the standards and the open sourcing out there, and the new technology and the commitment and the fact that we are in this kind of this need to handle this transition, this industrialization of our industry in order to move forward that makes it a little bit different. I think it makes it a lot different. So Eli, as the only cloud provider on the on the call right now, you know, you're taking all this data and bring it to a cloud platform. How is that going to be beneficial? What's the advantages of bringing this to the cloud? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Stephen made a, a great case for the opportunity and the complexity of standards and open source. And I, I also want to just echo something that Heidi Lynn said about the notion that the patch hasn't historically been innovative or collaborative or technology forward. And I think that sometimes those things are true in specific, you know, kind of operational instances. But, you know, broadly in my experience over the past six years, I've seen a tremendous amount of collaboration 
both with you know kind of individual software providers and the you know various cloud providers. And I think that you know one of the things that we're excited about and one of the opportunities that the cloud provides is a notion of you know kind of reintroducing these technologies to the end users and you know kind of really emboldening the citizen data science that you know kind of folks have the opportunity to leverage when you know deploying some of these tools yeah come back to the cloud real quick so one of the things when i got started in this industry 25 years ago there was not a single cio that would allow anything past his firewall right everything was done on prem and cloud was a no no and that had an about face turn about eight years ago, 10 years ago, but there's still some actually rather large companies out there that are a little bit hesitant about the cloud from a cybersecurity point of view. And so I just want to real quick talk about cybersecurity is different in the cloud, but actually it can be more robust and on the prem. So your data is secure in the cloud if the right cybersecurity measures are taken. And it's true. It's 100% true yeah. because we often say, we often say also that your, your, your cloud, your public cloud often is more, is more protected than your on-premise environment. So you're 100% correct to say that your data can be very well protected. It's also very important for the cloud providers like Google to do a very good job over there, but it's a livelihood you're talking about to make sure that that environment is well and well well and well and protected. So we have no concern to really put that type of data into a public cloud environment compared to an on-premise environment. Yeah, I think, you know, well said, Johan. I think, Mark, the, you know, the reality is historically, especially when, you know, individual organizations kept their data on-prem. It was more of a walled garden approach that, you know, as people transition to the cloud, you really have to take a a stance that everything must be protected and everything must be secure. And so if you look at the historical environment that most of the cloud operate the cloud providers have operated in, we have to take a zero trust view of the world. And what that means is every single aspect of a you know member of OSDU or quite frankly anyone who you know leverages services from Google Cloud enjoys the benefit of the security that we've developed as we've you know built our business with the attack area and the you know the risks that we face so if your data is insecure that's just simply a uh, condition that we can't operate under. Yeah, it's, it's even interesting for us as a company. We use one of the big cloud providers, and it was such a relief when we switched over because I now no longer have to worry about people patching stuff because I know our cloud provider has much more to lose if there's an incident than, than I did. So it's, it's a peace of mind to get that off your plate. One of the other things we want to talk about is the oil and gas industry has a ton of proprietary software out there, right? There's a bunch of competition, especially in geophysics, geodata, upstream type of stuff. So how does that intersection look between companies that have proprietary software and then what y'all are doing with OSDU? Okay, in case of OSDU, let me kick off and then other people will pick on. Of course, as, you, as Steve said before, the whole of the OSDU data platform is open source based because let's be clear. There's no different. There's no differentiation. If you talk about proprietary software, you do your proprietary software where you think you can differentiate. You don't differentiate how you store your data. You can differentiate how you make use of the data, how you exploit that data in your business application, how you do your modeling, how you do your interpretation. That's where you can differentiate. There you can think at okay, can I, should I have a proprietary software out there? But where you cannot differentiate, please go for open source because you, we create a much more agile, much more dynamic environment. A, big, a much wider community can help us from students, from universities, anybody else can help us to further enhance that common 
data platform. So really the open source, this helps with the community building, if you look at it that way. Yeah, it definitely does that. I can also speak, because you know, I'm also on an ISV as well. I mean, one of the biggest barriers for selling software into a company is not the software itself. It's all the change management, getting it in, getting it integrated. A lot of the differentiation in the technology of the platform itself or the, you know, the application itself is lost if the customer themselves can't get access to the information. So selfishly, from an ISV point of view, you know, having a customer who is prepared to take my application and make the most out of it by being able to, to feed it the data that it needs is great. The other thing, going back to the open source of the platform view, is that you know my applications themselves don't have to stop at the boundaries that they do today, right? I can take my application that I have today and I can inject portions of it into the OSD platform. And what happens then is that technology that I've created is not just available to the one end user I licensed, it's actually available to everybody else who's participating in the same system within the company. So it opens up a great deal of opportunity to create new applications or make them more embedded. And it certainly helps the adoption of the technologies that we already have. Yeah, it's uh, I, I love the fact that our industry has become okay with open source. I, I think that's one of the things that's going to move the needle more than, than a lot of other things. So, David, real quick, IHS Market Kit, been around for a long time, know you very well, do some really cool stuff. You know, what value does IHS get by working with OSDU? That is a great question. And the reason I say that is because, again, I think typically we've touched on some of the attempts in the past and, you know, they've all had value, as was mentioned. But I think the participation and the willingness of different players and, you know, most of these efforts are led by, you know, the operators, the larger IOCs. And, and as we were discussing, it makes sense as a consumer being able to go with any kind of software application, be able to grab data anywhere you want. It all works with all the other applications. It's always been a bit of the, you know, the nirvana, the holy grail that we talk about. But again, being completely transparent, I think for some players and some ISVs, I remember when OSDU kicked off and I was in a meeting back when we met face-to-face -face in Houston a couple of years ago and a CIO of large IOC, you know, at the table kind of turned to me and said, I understand why this would be so valuable to us, but, you know, David, why, why is this valuable to you? And, you know, this, this goes full circle into, I'm not saying it was healthy, the particular software or data vendors. I mean, we're a bit unique in that we are a major content provider to the oil and gas space, but we also have a software portfolio and I think in times past, there would be resistance because of the competitive pressures and ultimately that just led to a less efficient system. The difference today is that, again, a little bit like I said earlier, I think because of the state of the industry and where we think things are going, and of course, you know, the technology continues to improve on what you can do, this idea of partnering and throwing in from any aspect, whether it be a, a content or a software provider, I just think it's part of all of our sort of success going forward. And I think when you look at the MP company of the future and what it's really going to look like and what size they're going to be, I think we have to all understand we're all going to have to throw in and change to be successful going forward. So I hope that doesn't sound too much like mom and apple pie, but <laughs> that is a serious mental shift that all of the players in here have had to come to. And it's not just the service providers that are, are struggling these days, right? So, you know, we come together for a better, more efficient system. You know, it just occurred to me. So one of the, the kind of 800-pound gorillas our industry is facing that we aren't talking about right now is this lack of talent and the lack and the loss of what I call tribal knowledge, right? And so this 
almost can be a play a part in knowledge transfer from a lot of you know young new engineers or project managers that are coming into our industry. This has to provide a bed of you know almost like community knowledge that that can help get you know people that are new to the industry up to speed quicker. So do y'all see this also playing a part from a, a knowledge transfer point of view? I can speak to that. You know, from an end user perspective, a geoscientist or an engineer connecting to OSDU and using the data. I think that's a huge benefit. I think sometimes a lot of the knowledge transfer is isolated in in systems, legacy systems. And as those systems are replaced or changed, a lot of that knowledge is lost. And so going forward, newer professionals can't access that knowledge transfer from those legacy systems. So the advantage of having things in a common platform is that all the analyses, all the data of previous generations is at an end user's fingertips to use and leverage. So, you know, I can give it an example of that, you know, in the, if you're looking at a particular petrophysicist or petrotechnical person using petrotechnical software to do some log analyses, a lot of information stored in that software in terms of who did the analysis, when they did the analysis, what the parameters were used for analysis is stored in that data repository. And if a company switches vendors or switches systems, sometimes that data doesn't get transferred over and it's basically lost and really hard to access going forward. So, you know, if you have a common platform where you've thought about it, you've had highly skilled professionals putting in standards around the information that's captured with that data, people will be able to access that no matter what application they're using or what way they're they're intending to do the analysis. And I think that's a huge benefit going forward. That body of knowledge will be maintained at some level for years to come. Whereas, you know, things got outdated and grandfathered in the past and it was difficult to to capture that. So are you telling me we're finally going to get rid of paper mud logs, finally? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. That's, that's one of the things we're looking at, one of the proof of concepts uh, that we're doing in our first round of, you know, layering use cases and applications on top of OSDU is, is how to ingest that legacy information and what's the best technology to do it and preserve it. So, well, so I was joking, but the truth is that's big data, even though it's on paper and to have to lose that would almost be you know, a heartbreak to be able to bring that and digitalize it, bring it back into the system, I think would benefit everybody. Yeah, there's a lot of sophistication around that, like the technology that we're able to use, the AI and the machine learning to fill in the gaps of data from from hard copies is finally at the point where where ingesting it is a lot simpler and a lot more, uh, I'm trying to search for the word, but a lot more accurate. And we're not losing as much when we ingest those those old files we're we're gaining. Well, so the other cool thing, the flip side of this, and if you're not in this part of the industry, you could think I'm crazy, but one of the inhibitors or one of the constraints with geodata is actually the bad data, right? And we need to clean that data up. And the cool thing is AI is really good at that once you teach it what the bad data is. And so now you can have a, a repository of clean, useful, valuable data. Yeah, actually, it's, it's a good point. Sorry, it, it, it's a good point because one of the things, part of the change man- management and cultural change management is a lot of people see these systems as kind Kind of the holders of curated information only bring in the good data in the system. Well, frankly, if you ha- if you take that approach, you're leaving most of the data out of it. And if you take the approach of really a pervasive data platform like this, it's let's bring in all the data, let's contextualize it, and let's actually define quality as the purpose by which we want to use it, rather than the gauntlet for bringing it in. 
And this opens up a lot of opportunities for data scientists to be able to improve the quality of the information and keep those improvements in the same system. And they also will spot things that we would not have ever noticed before because those exceptions sometimes are the secret, right? That exception that normally somebody would have kicked out an Excel spreadsheet. If you have enough of those and you do analytics around it, it might be something valuable as far as making business decisions. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of our drilling engineers saying that if I want to know roughly what sort of pricing I'll do, I'll average the data. If I want to predict or prevent a risk, I want to look for the exception. Yeah. Well, and I think that just to, to jump in there, I think that one of the things that all too often we talk about is, you know, the pain that's bringing the focus to this, you know, transformation. But the reality is, as we think about these new tools in OSDU, you're actually allowing the practitioners to focus on what they want to do, which is not you know, load the data from one application to another or, you know, go go dig out some, you know, piece of subsurface that somebody forgot about and is on a tape sitting on a shelf somewhere in a, you know, file cabinet far, far away. But, you know, kind of as best as possible, diminish all of that as their, you know, kind of day-to-day and put them back into the, you know, the driver's seat, be they an old guard or a, you know, kind of newer graduate entering the industry to, you know, kind of enable them to focus on the science and the value creation, not necessarily just, you know, how do I, how do I, you know, kind of manage through the application and the, the tribal knowledge that, that comes from learning that over time. So Eli, you mean we're going to let our engineers actually do engineering stuff instead of scrubbing Excel spreadsheets? Wouldn't that be (laughs) marvelous? I know they would love it. And and if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, in our industry, there's a lot of very talented, very well-paid engineers that spend a lot of time cleaning up Excel spreadsheets. And it's such an inefficiency. And just getting rid of that would probably, you know, increase efficiencies across the board. So this is so we've talked a whole bunch about the data. We've talked a whole bunch about OSDU and how it's affecting culture and knowledge transfer and, and everything else. But with this platform, with the standardized platforms, this has to allow more companies to, to develop different offerings, right? Right. We have this whole really cool startup entrepreneur part of the business in, in our industry where the, some really smart people are doing things that are really outside the box. And so this platform has to be a basis for, for future innovation, wouldn't you think? 100%. And that's what's so important also that we talk about the API layer, the application program interface layer, where you separate the case from the data. And really, because now the, those companies, those small companies don't have to worry anymore about the data, they only have to worry about the application. So now it makes it possible for small companies to come to the market with a very niche application, just worry about the application and the data being looked after by the, by the community. And we also offer as part of OSU an easier way of making this software available via the, by the either Microsoft or the Amazon or the Google, the IBM uh, market, marketplace to really make it easier for these smaller companies to bring this software to the market. But the whole thing behind this is that API layer and really open up that market for lots of small companies, universities, you name it, to start developing, to bring, really bring innovation back into this space. Yeah. Can we talk about that some more? Because I, we have a, a large part of our listening audience that are those startup entrepreneur types in the oil and gas industry. So if they wanted to get involved, what would that look like? Stephen, you want to say something about it? Yeah. Okay. So they can get involved in a number of ways, right? So one, you know, they, they can bring their innovation to a customer just leveraging the platform that's out there. So the customer is going to deploy the system, going to operate the system, going to bring the content in. 
somebody that has a point piece of uh, innovation can come in and just apply it to what's there. They don't have to think about all the other things that one would normally have to do if you're trying to sell a product into a customer space, right? The infrastructure is available for you. The other things that they can do, you know, it, it is an open platform, right? So the things that they can bring to the table can be plugged in at runtime and used as part of the operator's space. That's great. Your customer is going to be using your technology every single day, and it can be as large or as small as you, you want to do, because what you're doing is you're adding to an ecosystem rather than trying to replace it. You can get involved in the open source side. I encourage you to get involved in the open source side, contributing directly within the OSU forum or through the open source through external communities to bring your technology and actually shape the way the platform is going, right? This is an opportunity to not just plug into the system, but actually provide thought leadership and the development of the platform as it goes forward. And certainly we embrace everybody coming in. So there's different ways of, of, of engaging the ecosystem. As small as plugging in an application, as pervasive as helping to define the standards in the platform. So I'm guessing there's sites online where people can sign up for the different parts. We'll make sure to put links in the show notes. So audience, if you're listening, by the time this gets published, just scroll either up or left, depending if you're on iOS or Android. And we'll have links you can click on to go check some more of this stuff out. Because this is, this is awesome that I could be a, an entrepreneur and be able to tack into this amount of data and use it to, to build a new application that helps, you know, drive efficiencies or safety or production or, or, or whatever. This is, I mean, it's almost like a present, right? If, if, if it's like here, figure out what you want to do with it that's valuable to the industry. Yeah. And I think that is, this is a very exciting point in, in the project. I think a lot of the heavy lifting has already been done. There's thousands of man hours already been contributed and donated to this initiative, a bunch of really smart people that have really laid the foundation of this project. Project, So, you know, big thanks and kudos to all of those people who've contributed that hard work. But, you know, right now we're kind of at the so what part. We've got, you know, we've got some standards, we have a common platform, we have some APIs, a data store. But, you know, in itself, as an end user, that's not something to get super excited about. But the next part is the part to get super excited about. We need to focus on how does this help me as a technical professional get my work done better, faster, cheaper. It's really those applications and the technologies that's layered on top of those on top of the platform and those workflows that is getting to be exciting. That is it. Working on that platform, working with the cloud, leveraging the opportunities that come with the cloud, you know, harness aspects of high performance computing that artificial intelligence, the machine learning, the analytics technology, all those things that were kind of tricky to implement before because we had data silos, application silos, you know, those those problems are out of the way now. And we can really focus on that high end analysis part, that more sophisticated part of, of our workflow and really realize the value and the full potential of those applications without without those barriers that were previously there. So it does open up a whole new market, a whole new set of opportunities for the folks that are getting involved now. A really interesting piece of that too, when we talk about things like OSDU and bringing data together, we have a tendency to think of, you know, structured data, you know, a well location, you know, depth of a well, you know, stages, things like that. But when Heidi Lynn talks about, you know, being able to make decisions faster and different, we also need to take into account all the unstructured data and what's available now because of things like ML and AI. You will now be able to pull so much more information from unstructured sources as well as structured that the kind of questions you can ask and the decisions you can make 
are going to be something completely different than, you know, how we had to do it five years ago. David, if we can start tapping into unstructured data, oh my God, are, are you kidding me? Yeah. And audience, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, basically think about the Word doc that's on your machine that somebody gave you from HR for your benefits, and then you change it, and now your Word doc is slightly different than your next door neighbors. That data is really unstructured, but it's very valuable, but it's always been hard to tap into. And with today's technology, we can start grabbing that unstructured data and classifying it and make it valuable, which is almost like the holy grail of data science. Yeah. And imagine that financial data is also available, right? It, it all comes together at some point in the workflow to make a decision on whether you're going to drill well, you're going to build a platform. But imagine if that all of that universe was more easily available for you to make queries from you know, much earlier in, in the workflow. I think the impact will be you know, phenomenal. Well, even David, something as simple as the guys that are decommissioned that well in the Gulf of Mexico 50 years from now, knowing what happened when they built the production platform today, even that communication is not happening right now. And there's millions of dollars of inefficiencies inside the same company, inside the same super major. And, and to have those teams be able to work together, you know, because of something like this is would just be a game changer. Absolutely. So, David, you sold me. Heidi Lynn, you sold me as well. But if somebody's listening and they want to participate and they're trying to figure out how do they go to their management, because, you know, right now budgets are very constrained. We're still in the sub $50 barrel for crude. The consumption is still being very suppressed. You know, how would you start this conversation with your management from a from a budget point of view? What you could do. Nobody wants to take the budget question. <laughs> no, no, what, what you can do, it's important. You have access to the information two ways. Either if you're not a member, you get access to all the results coming out of the information out of the open, open OGU environment yeah, for the OGU forum. If you become a member, if your company becomes a member and the member fee is, is linked to the size of the company, so if, you're a very, if you're a small company, it's a very low fee, then the moment you become a member, you got full access to all the information there. You can have access, you can contribute, you can see what's going on. You can influence, you've got full access to that environment. So that's the choice you have. If your company wants to know what's going on without having spent a lot of time on it or spending a lot of money on it, the amount of time you decide. Yeah? If you decide a little time, it's up to you. If you decide lots of time, it's all up to you. But it's all there. The moment you become a member, it's full access, all the information. And even be aware, since you also go for an open source environment, all the open source data is available to everybody. You don't need to become a member to have full access to the OSU data platform because it's an open source environment. So there are many ways, many different ways for people, whether you're a student, whether you're somebody working in a company, they have your own startup company, whatever you are, there are many different ways for you to start joining this effort. So I'll just offer a little bit on that. We have been talking to companies that are interested in OSDU and don't know exactly how to get started and want to learn more about it. So we have to start out with that initial conversation and they get really excited about what they see because they are trying to solve these same sort of problems internally and have the budget for it, that they are working on the exact same things that OSDU is trying to tackle. So there's some efficiency to be gained to say, hey, let's leverage what all these smart people are doing in OSDU and use what has already been built or what's in progress. And so balancing the cost of that, doing that work internally, versus the cost of joining OSDU, it can make real business sense to join and start leveraging and contributing to these solutions and using these solutions, you know, as, a, as an organization or an individual in the, that organization to work problems they're already trying to solve. So there's budget for it, I think, already built in the system. We just have to collaborate on, on what those common pieces are. Yeah, so I- yeah. And I think that, sorry, Mark, just to jump in and on those, those topics, right? I think that 
you know, one of the other advantages to cloud and the, you know, the partnership with OSDU that Hyland and Johan mentioned is you, you really can rapidly prototype and you know, kind of minimize your risk exposure towards a, you know, kind of a massive investment in something that you're trying to figure out where you want to drive value or where you want to leverage the the resources and the you know intelligence of the community to not focus on things that aren't going to differentiate your organization. And so if you take the opportunity to leverage the the parts that are already there, find a find a niche where you can drive the greatest value for your company or your research project that hopefully then empowers a company that you eventually may seek employment with. You can really drive things with a limited upfront investment. So it's probably about time we start winding this down because I was hoping we wouldn't have any technical problems. Of course, now it looks like we're having a little glitch right now. So to the gang, if companies wanted to get more involved, if companies wanted to learn more, is there a specific website we should send people to? Is that the open source the data uh, website? No, go, no, go to the, go to the opengroup.org website and there you, okay. select, there you select. So go to the opengroup.org website. There you select Open Subservice Data Universe Forum and take it from there as a good starting point. All right. So once again, audience, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's opengroup.org. You can just click in the show notes and go check everything out. I do want to give a big shout out to each and every one of y'all. We've never done this before. It looks like we've pulled this off. It was a great story. So, you know, I've heard of, of OSDU, but I didn't really understand it, the intricacies and the value. I think what y'all are doing is, is incredible. And I think the organization is incredible. It's just, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. So Johan, Stephen, Eli, David, uh, Heidi Lynn, I really appreciate your time today on the show. And I'm sure people want to learn a little bit more about what y'all are doing. We're putting the link in for OSDU, but is it okay if I put your LinkedIn profiles link in? So if people want to learn more about you personally, they can reach out? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Fine by me. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So everybody, we'll, we'll have everybody's LinkedIn profile. If you want to go check them out, this is incredible. Get involved. This is a game changer, folks. Now, this is the part of the show we start winding things down. We typically do product reviews. We have no product review today. If you want me to review your product, remember, it needs to be something small and gadgety. Please, no heavy steel. I just can't. My neighbors don't like when I'm reviewing blowout preventers. Street Team, you've heard me talk about this before. It's our all-volunteer group globally. Go to Facebook. Just search for OGG and Street Team. You basically help us with our social media. And then when times get back to normal, if we're in your area for some event, you can join us as part of our press team. Plus, we have some cool swag. And then finally, once again, th big shout-out to Nutanix for sponsoring the show. Nutanix enables IT teams to build and operate highly automated private and hybrid clouds. Plus, they understand the oil and gas industry, and they're doing something really cool. So panelists, you can register for this, even though I can't. They're giving away this JBL Flip 4 Bluetooth speaker. We're giving away one a week. The link is in the show notes. If you want to try to remember it, it's Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast. But go register and win. It's really cool. And then while you're online, go to the website, go to allandgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. Promise not to spam you. And finally, join our LinkedIn page. About 40,000 people there going strong. That's the home of this podcast and all the rest of our podcasts. Panelists, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. It's about time we get out of here. So, folks, we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. 
but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tent Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.